0: Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here today with Farscape Season 1, Episode 10, They've Got a Secret. And it's all Dargo all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, fun fact. hmm You know how I keep telling you that you didn't know Dargo's actual motivation yet? Yeah. Well, it turns out neither did the writers. Yeah. So this episode changed what his backstory was, and one of the reasons we know that is because the trading cards that came out with this show, you you remember how they used to do that in the 90s? I don't think they do that anymore.
0: Yeah, I don't think trading cards are so much of a thing now. I do remember their omnipresence in the 90s.
1: Yes, well, the trading card that came out for Dargo before the show started, there was apparently, like, preview trading cards. Course. Yes, and they said that he was imprisoned because his superior officer, General Duram, was jealous of him. Hmm. So they completely retconned his backstory, at least from what it was, you know, going into the show.
0: This would be a really good episode if I cared about Dargo. I don't. Nothing in this episode changed my feelings on Dargo. And it's a good episode, but also... I feel like the conceit like Dargos this this is Dargos episode to trip every every character gets an episode to trip and this is Dargos. Yes, that's true. I feel the like the impetus for him tripping is kind of not solid enough.
1: Yeah, I mean there's really is never I hadn't really thought about it, but there's never really an explanation for why what happened to him would cause him to have the weird memory things that he's having.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like, this happened because you need to know about Dargo's backstory, but otherwise there's not really a reason for him to have this specific delusion to enter this particular state. I mean...
1: I'd never thought about that before, but yeah, yeah, that's accurate. Ah, eh, that's okay.
0: Also, I mean... i i I know i've said this already so many times this is a good episode but it's also also a something is wrong with the ship we need to fix the ship episode so there's like a lot of stars aligning against this episode for me
1: well actually i have to say this episode was way better than i remembered it and part of that i think was the music Mm -hmm. i don't normally pay attention consciously to the music that's going on the the incidental music but it felt really powerful this episode it was making me feel things
0: so our other podcast is charmed which uses a lot of licensed songs except whoops it can't anymore because they you know don't have the rights to the songs anymore so you get a lot of kind of yep fill in sound alike songs that really don't capture the mood and can kind of ruin scenes sometimes I guess that's not really so much a thing in, like, this era of sci-fi. Because you'd have a show's composer, and I'm guessing the musical rights stuff around it would be different. Although, God knows, Farscape isn't playing anywhere, so.
1: Well, I mean, they presumably, since this music was contracted to go with this show, Hmm. there aren't the rights issues that there are when you, you know, get the rights to play. Because the issue was especially with shows from this time period, from like the 90s and anything before that, is that you would get the musical rights for the performance and for reruns and home video wasn't really a thing. Streaming was definitely not a thing. And even if you thought ahead and got the rights for home video, you definitely didn't for streaming because it wasn't a thing. And then there was a whole discussion over whether you had the rights for streaming.
0: I mean, we're lucky we got Daria. Daria was like a rights nightmare.
1: Well, I was actually going to mention Daria because we've been watching it on Hulu. And there are some scenes that are painful with the fill-in music instead of the 90s music.
0: Yeah, because it's all really iconic and really well-suited to the scene. Like, the music was chosen very particularly in Daria and, you know, it doesn't really work so well if it's just a sound alike villainy thing. Yeah.
1: Although I have to say, rewatching Daria, it is the most 90s show ever. If it was also soundtracked with quintessential 90s music, we might actually end up traveling back in time by accident.
0: So, Farscape.
1: Farscape. So, this episode was directed by Ian Watson. Mm -hmm. This is the first time we've seen this director, but he will go on to direct many other episodes of Farscape, including um, the episode where Moya actually gives birth.
0: Oh, yeah. This is the episode where we find out Moya's pregnant.
1: Yes. A thing which apparently we were supposed to discover in the pilot episode, but...
0: Not so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, the writers decided that there was enough going on in the pilot episode. They would hold on to that and reveal it later.
0: Yeah, and I really like the twist that Moya is pregnant. I like the concept of it.
1: Yes. Ian Watson also directed an upcoming episode next season, which is one of my favorite episodes of Farscape of all time, Hmm. Crackers Don't Matter. But in between this episode and Crackers Don't Matter, he directed a lot of episodes I don't care for, so... (laughs) His his name will come up a lot, and I'll be like, eh, I don't know. But then we'll get to Crackers Don't Matter, and I'll be like, ah, oh, I love this man. He's a genius. I
0: mean, I'm I'm like that with, there are comic book writers where, actually, most comic book writers, the ones I like are ones that have, like, two or three really good stories, but for the
1: most part. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just a job. Sometimes you just go in and you get the job done. Mm-hmm. This episode was written by Sally Lapidus. We saw her before. Mm -hmm. She also wrote the episode IET, the second episode of the series.
0: Oh. Huh. These episodes are not very alike.
1: I know. I I don't know. I don't know what to make of that other than she wrote that episode. She wrote this episode. Yeah. All right.
0: So let's jump in. We open sort of in media's res, as is fairly typical for Farscape.
1: Yeah. Farscape does like to just throw us into the middle of things.
0: So... Something is going on with the ship, and they need to fix it, and Aaron is using John as a
1: stepladder. She's sitting on his shoulder so that she can reach a panel up in the ceiling. You know, I never really got how... You know, it's kind of an interesting
0: thing that, uh, you know, Aaron is a warrior. She's a warrior woman, but... I don't know how accurate this is. She seems kind of short to me. She seems like she's the shortest non-puppet member of the cast.
1: Well, I had never thought about that before, but let me tell you, I do have the ability to look it up. Claudia Black. Height. Ah, she's 5'9".
0: Huh. Wow. I don't know why I feel like the rest of the cast is... Not, like, towering over her, but it feels like she's shorter than everyone who's not Rigel or...
1: Well, Virginia Hay is Mm 5'10", Ben Browder is 6'1", and Anthony Simcoe is 6'5", so she is the shortest one there.
0: Oh. It's like when you see those pictures of Chris Evans hanging out with basketball players, and you're like, he's a pretty tall dude, but these are very tall dudes, and he looks like a, you know, tiny, tiny man next to them.
1: I was actually going to say, um... It reminds me of when I got really into collegiate gymnastics. Mm -hmm. My friend Emily and I would go to all of the meets. Mm -hmm. And some of the girls, we'd be like, wow, look at her. She is so tall. Um, And then it would turn out that she was like four foot nine. But she was taller than all of the other gymnasts on the team because gymnasts tend to be very short.
0: Uh, Yeah. So... John, Aaron, and Dargo are trying to fix whatever's going on with Moya.
1: Well, they're sweeping the ship because there appears to still be some peacekeeper technology on the ship that might be messing with Moya.
0: I was going to say, it's been a few months, but I mean, I-, I guess it makes sense. They're pretty thoroughly enslaving Moya, so.
1: Also, the ship is like the size of Manhattan.
0: Yes. Which Dargo does point out. Dargo's like, how much peacekeeper tech is in the- is in Moya? And pilots like... A lot, like
1: yeah. Pilot's like, okay.
0: You know how you're not normally living inside of other creatures,
1: and also, Pilot's like, I don't know how to answer your question. You know, I don't know that answer, right? Honestly, I. Uh, you'd feel
0: stupid if you didn't ask.
1: I guess. But Dargo also wants to know why he's doing this instead of one of the DRDs, and Pilot points out to him that unlike him, the DRDs have jobs to do on the ship. All he's doing is, like, lounging around. The DRDs, like, keep the ship running.
0: Yeah, also, hey, remember when you were being a huge dick to the DRDs earlier? Maybe they don't feel like helping you out.
1: He is kind of always a dick to the DRDs, isn't he?
0: Which is weird because they're the things that are keeping him alive. Yeah. You said when I found out Darko's backstory, I'd have way more sympathy for him, and I really don't, unless there's more of it down the line.
1: No, I mean, if you don't have sympathy for the fact that his deal is he wants to find his son, I guess I don't know what to...
0: You can want to find your son and not be a raging dick all the time to everyone for basically no reason. Also, spoiler alert for later in the episode, if you have a half-peacekeeper son, maybe being super racist towards peacekeepers all the time is
1: especially not cool. Okay, he's not being racist towards peacekeepers. First of all, you can't be racist towards peacekeepers. He could be racist towards Sebations.
0: Oh, right. I forgot they have a species name. Yes. Okay, he's racist towards Sebations, too. I mean, it's not like... like...
1: I mean, the peacekeepers are basically fascists, so it's okay to be opposed to peacekeepers. Yes.
0: Point. But he's racist towards Sebations a lot, Which is pretty fucked up, given the fact that his kid is half sebation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true.
0: So, I am staying on the fuck Dargo train.
1: Okay, alright.
0: He's the worst. Luckily, he's about to get pooped out of a space butthole.
1: He really is, yeah, so he finds a tiny little tunnel. Honestly, it's one of those little tunnels, they have these, we've seen this before, but there are these, like, almost like mouse hole cutouts- in the ship that essentially only Rigel can comfortably go through. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that's the cutout that they're setting Dargo through this episode. So Dargo has to like slither through it, like a person going through a doggy door.
0: Rigel's basically in like one scene this episode though. This is not a heavy Rigel episode, which I'm fine with.
1: (laughs) So Dargo slips through the little mouse hole and he finds a, he calls it a control panel, but they're going to call it a shield. Later on in the episode. I mean it's essentially
0: A mind control No, it's
1: right? it's a diaphragm. It's oh, it's, a, it's a peacekeeper diaphragm.
0: Yeah, I forgot. It's to stop Moya from getting pregnant.
1: Yep, yep. So
0: Which ace job their space diaphragm.
1: Yes. So Dargo starts messing with it, and Pilot's like, hang on, let me tell you exactly what you need to do to get this off safely. But Dargo can't hear him, so he decides he's just going to rip it off. And, as you said, Moya poops him out into space. Good for her. Yeah, yeah.
0: Xan is concerned and Pilot's like, oh well.
1: <laughs> yeah, Xan becomes concerned when they can't get a hold of Dargo, when Dargo doesn't respond to them. And Pilot's like, well, he's not on the ship. And it turns out he's, uh, he's floating in space. You think...
0: Maybe Pilot's still kind of pissed at Dargo for cutting off his arm for no reason.
1: I think he might be, yeah, I think he might be harboring, like, a secret grievance.
0: So, John's trying to communicate with him, but Dargo, on his way out, is still ripping stuff out of Moya? What, what is your goal, dude?
1: Yeah, I know, he's been shot down a shoot and, like, kicks at things, like, you should be climbing, not kicking, but... I,
0: I'm gonna destroy as much of this ship on my way out of it as possible instead of just trying not to fall out of the ship.
1: I I don't know what he thought. Like, he was gonna kick and all of a sudden he was gonna be, like, in a room instead of falling out the ship?
0: Fuck you, Dargo.
1: Aw, oh, poor Dargo.
0: Well, he's space's problem now.
1: Yep, yep, he is floating in space like, uh, like Major Tom.
0: But... Unlike Major Tom, he is a whatever the hell his species is called, and he can survive for a fair amount of time out in space.
1: Yeah, he's a Luxon, so Aaron gets in her prowler and goes out and fetches him. We learn that he has been in space for half an hour, and John-
0: isn't it half an hour?
1: No, no, this was my point. So I was was saving this for when it comes up in, in a couple of seconds, but I will just say it. John says he's been in space for half an hour. And then he asks how long Luxons can survive in the vacuum of space. And Zan tells him about a quarter of an Arn. Uh, So now we have like some sense of how long an Arn is. Neat. Yeah.
0: So (laughs) I love Aaron kind of just throws Dargo onto the floor.
1: Hey, She did her part. She got him out of space.
0: And John starts wailing on him. Is this?
1: He's doing CPR. He's trying to restart his heart.
0: Oh, I thought he was trying to do the blood clear thing.
1: Oh, no, that would be smart. But no, I think John was trying to. John is banging on his chest, like, to restart his heart.
0: Yeah, and everyone's like, John, what are you doing?
1: They're like, why are you beating up an unconscious guy? And they turn him over, which makes sense because he doesn't have a heart there where John is banging. So they flip him over, and Zan finds, like, his two pulses on the, his back because that's where they are. Ugh.
0: You know, d- does he only have two? Because humans have a lot all over our body. I mean, like I've...
1: he's got two, like
0: the main ones, I guess.
1: No, no. I mean, he has like two hearts, like whatever, whatever a heart is, two like pulsing muscles. Oh.
0: oh, yeah. So it's not just like you know.
1: Yeah, no. I didn't mean. I didn't mean that's where she feels his pulse. I mean that's where like the organ is. And Zan manages to bring him back, but as you said, this is the episode where he's high. So he believes that Zan is someone called Lolan. Mm. And he doesn't quite remember what happened before he was pooped out into space. And then he passes out again.
0: Okay, so I feel like this is a huge cheat.
1: Yeah, you know, I accepted it because the music was so good and went with it. But now that you mention it, It is kind of a huge cheat. It's a cheat in two ways. Like, by giving Dargo this thing where... So, he's essentially covered with Leviathan Hmm. ejaculate. Like, that's what's going on with him.
0: It happens.
1: Yeah. So, uh, as a result, he has some sort of weird memory thing. Which means that he's simultaneously remembering his backstory and not remembering... Where the shield is that caused all of this mess.
0: That is true, but that is not what I was talking about. Oh,
1: that's not the cheat you meant?
0: The cheat I meant was the naming convention with his wife, girlfriend, with the sebation he got pregnant.
1: Oh, yeah, his wife, Lolan.
0: Lolan. It's one of those apostrophe names.
1: It, It has an apostrophe in it, yeah.
0: Which I don't think, granted, I could be wrong, I have trouble remembering fake names, but that's not a Sebation naming convention. That's a whatever the hell Dargo species naming convention. Is. A Luxon. Yeah. So what the fuck?
1: You know, you're right. You're right. I don't know that we have. We we definitely haven't met any Sebations thus far that have a name like that. That is. That is a Luxon naming convention. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. I don't mean to be picking this episode apart. Because you, you liked it a lot when we were going into it. And I, I don't mean to be Johnny no, pulling no. at the threads. No, no, but... that's
1: fine. Although I am going to say that the only reason you know that there's an apostrophe in it is because we watch it with captions on. It's... And I'm sure it's in the credits, but it could just as well be Lolan.
0: That's that's true.
1: And what's, this is kind of amusing because in the episode Crackers Don't Matter, John is at one point talking about an alien they've encountered and he's kind of going on a rant about it and he spells out his name and he spells it with an apostrophe in it. T apostrophe V L E K. I forget how he spelled. It. I forget how his name is spelled. But the point is watching that episode, I'm always like, you don't know there's an apostrophe in there, John. That's just, you're just guessing. He was
0: probably a big fan of uh, whatever the fuck Star Trek series uh, T'Pol was in.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like that episode of Friends, the Embutiosaurus or whatever, when Ross is dating uh, Charlie and he's up for some position, but the review board is run by her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And her ex-boyfriend asks him to spell the name of a dinosaur he just made up, oh. the imbutiosaur.
1: <laughs> I didn't remember that part.
0: <laughs> and, you know, Ross starts at B and he's like, I'm sorry, there's a silent M. <laughs> Although when Charlie guesses it later, she guesses a silent M. (laughs) Uh, That was a good way to get her out of the show. Also, she... I mean, she was played by Aisha Tyler. She could do so much better than Any
1: of those friends. Yeah, Yeah. or Joe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry, Farscape.
1: Farscape. After Dargo passes out, Mm -hmm. Pilot comes on to the little clamshell communicator thing they have with Pilot to let them know that, as you say, something is wrong with the ship. And he seems to be acting weirdly. i'm pilot, I mean, seems to be acting weirdly, hmm. almost like pilot is stoned or being starved of nutrients. hmm, yeah,
0: they're trying to figure out they they figure that wherever Dogger was right before everything went down is the epicenter of whatever problem is affecting everything. and pilot's like, "I don't know, remember." I-, I didn't know. I couldn't find him.
1: He doesn't know what tier it was, so John and Aaron go down to tier 21 Well, Zan tries to figure out what's wrong with Dargo and, in fact, starts to discover there's some sort of weird biomechanical debris on him. Gross. This is like the Starship Bukake episode. Oh, God. If we still named our episodes...
0: Uh, that' would be a good way to be taken off, uh, yeah,
1: I would probably get taken off iTunes, yeah, never mind. I don't
0: know. Do they know that term?
1: I don't know,
0: like how obscure can you get with weird
1: sex stuff? Gosh, I have no idea if iTunes would take that down or not. I feel I feel like they might <laughs> definitely marking this episode explicit. Hmm.
0: So pilot's having trouble staying in contact with the d r d s and he's just really like not feeling it today, guys
1: yeah he's just like he just needs a, a him day you know he just needs to take a day off
0: and john's like hey erin whatever's affecting moya is affecting pilot right and she's like yeah and he's like because they symbiotic bond right and she's like are, are you gonna keep as you knowing me yes they have a symbiotic bond whatever's affecting moya is affecting pilot i get it
1: john's like as you know this is a living ship
0: <laughs> a ship a living ship
1: Yeah, it's in the credits. He doesn't need to, as you know it. Although, okay, this is the thing. This is the moment that I'm sure I've complained about before, where Aaron says, don't you have anything similar to, you know, living biomechanical ships like this in your culture? And John says, well, no. And then he thinks about it and he says, well, Jonah and the whale, Mm. which bothers me because the story is not Jonah and the whale. In the Bible, the word is not whale. The word is Leviathan which is the name of the class of ship that Moya is. So, what are we doing here? Like, you can't bring up the real-world thing that you named your space thing after without acknowledging that there had been some crossover, except there's been no crossover between Earth and space.
0: Okay, so, I really recently, due to an argument with a co-worker, got... I reread the whole Jonah and the Leviathan Mm -hmm. story. Yeah. And I feel like it gets sort of, people remember him and the whale. That's the big thing, or him and the great fish.
1: It's fine. You can say it is fine. Yeah.
0: But that's not really what the story's about. God wants uh, Jonah to preach in this one city to save them. And, you know, Jonah runs away, blah, blah, blah. But the reason Jonah runs away is because he hates the city so much that he wants God to destroy them. And when God's like, hey, preach at this city or I'm going to blow them up. He's like, oh, cool. And, you know.
1: Is your point that Jonah's a dick?
0: Uh, yeah, Jonah's a huge dick. Like, he's a sullen dick throughout the story. Because when, when Jonah tries to sail away from that city, God sends a storm. And the people who are running the ship are like, so do you want us to turn back we, we can turn back and take care of this and jonah's like no i'm gonna jump into the ocean and drown rather than preach to those people like i feel like jonah being a massive massive dick is always understated when people talk about that story
1: i that's fair i think that's true and fair
0: and the it, the story literally ends with jonah sulking because god didn't murder an entire city of people
1: he had beef He, he, he knows how to hold a grudge.
0: And then later in the Bible, God blows up the city anyway.
1: (sighs) Anyway, so John also suggests that maybe a Leviathan is a little like a horse, but of course, you know.
0: Yeah, he kind of pivots. He's like, well, there's Jonah and the whale. And, you know, Aaron's like, reference, and he's like, oh, well, there's horses. People have a symbiotic relationship with horses, which...
1: And then he tries to describe horses to Aaron and she's like, okay, so you enslave them. And John's like, no. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fair.
0: fair. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Moya's is more like a car. I mean, I know she's a living ship, a ship, a living ship. Yeah. But like you, you can use a car as an analogy there.
1: I mean, I think it's, it's more appropriate to say that we don't have anything like Moya. Yeah. I mean, It's not like Aaron doesn't understand that we travel in mechanical things that are not living. Like, she's from a spaceship that's not a biomech spaceship. Yeah. While John and Aaron are having this conversation, in the background, we see the DRDs welding up the hole that Dargo went through, the mouse hole. So now it's, now it appears to just be a wall.
0: The DRDs are my favorite characters. The
1: DRDs are great!
0: So John and Aaron ask Pilot what the DRDs are up to. And Pilot says, I don't read any DRDs as being in that area.
1: And then one of the DRDs spits, like, super glue at Aaron, and it, like, sticks her boot to the ground. And when she leans over to try to, like, lift her boot up, it super glues her hand to the (laughs) ground. And now she's, like, trapped in the superhero three-point pose.
0: And it tries to tase her, but John kind of just snaps its little taser
1: thing off. Yeah, yeah. Back in the med bay, in a, in a kind of med bay that I don't think we've seen before, mm-hmm. Zan is using a scanner, which again is not a device we've seen before. But she's scanning Dargo and we see, you know, uh, an outline of Dargo appear on like a hologram.
0: Oh, a medical scanner. Because it was like in the last episode that uh, What's Your Face wrote, there was the scanner when they were looking for that like painkiller thing.
1: Cellulipidus. Yeah, they did have a scanner looking for the, the salt. Yes. Um. Yeah, no, no, I meant like a tricorder.
0: Surprised she didn't bring back one of the forbidden holding items. Forbidden the...
1: forbidden cargo. Yeah. yeah, no.
0: Mentioned once and then never again.
1: That is true. No, but Zan is scanning Dargo and she's like, hey pilot, the scanner's not working very well, and the clamshell that pilot usually appears in is empty. And she's like, huh. Have more questions about that, Xan.
0: <laughs> okay. So I love this. John has brought the DRD to Zan to check it out and see what's going on meanwhile aaron is still glued to the floor and it just it, it's almost a comedy cut back to aaron where she's like john john well john's like hey Zan, what, what what's up with this drd well
1: he's he's glued to the the taser that he snapped off he's he's glued to it so he, he does tell Zan he needs some sort of solvent to dissolve the glue and yes as you said aaron's like john get back here with the solvent I mean, how frustrating is it to be just trapped like that? No, I feel for Aaron, Uh, but John then gets distracted by looking at the scanner. Zan has been scanning the biomechanical debris that she pulled off of Dargo, and John points out that the debris is all uniform in shape, so it's not debris. It's not from an explosion. It's something else.
0: I love that Aaron is just yelling at John in the background of the scene. He's like wait a second, this wasn't an accident. This was an intentional. Yeah. And and Aaron's like, John!
1: (laughs) Yes, it's great. So John does eventually get back to her in what feels like a very intimate scene the way it's directed. I actually, honestly, we've been seeing John and Aaron get closer throughout the last 10 episodes. But in this episode... Other than a single conversation w- between the two of them, there's no, like, advancing their romance, but everything about their physicality to each other is so amped up this episode.
0: I feel like you can really tell, again, I don't know if these were aired out of order and if I'm just projecting stuff onto it because I know, you know, where it's going because, you know, oh, wow, they're both so attractive. I wonder what's going to happen. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But I feel like their relationship has definitely reached a new level after what happened in DNA Mad Scientist.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. And regardless of the order they aired in, this is what was supposed to come next. So that makes perfect sense. Um, But here, John is kind of laying on his belly with the solvent, just swabbing it over Aaron. Apparently the solvent is very strong, so he has to just get the glue and not her skin or it'll burn her skin off. And just the way that he's kind of almost underneath her Mm. swabbing it and she's just, her cheek is so close to the top of his head. It's very intimate the way it's staged. And then she kind of leans down to get presumably more comfortable.
0: I mean, comfortable is a good word. Honestly, that's how I would describe sort of the body language between the two of them. Like, they're very clearly more comfortable with one another than they were earlier in the show.
1: Yeah, that's accurate. So after swabbing like a little bit, Erin gets frustrated with how slow it's going mm-hmm. and does a very Erin move where she just rips her hand up. <laughs> she's like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait literally a second longer and just hauls her hand up.
0: It's kind of great because like John's sort of trying to put her at ease and she's like, no joking, no joking i'm done with this
1: well what i love is when she like rips her hand up john's like see it worked (laughs) and then we cut to them in another room we haven't seen before we we hadn't seen the medical bay and i'm not really sure where we are now but there's a sink in this the area where john and aaron are i think it's supposed to be the kind of cafeteria we've seen them eating in before mm-hmm. but we've never seen this sink against the wall uh, where erin is washing off the remainder of the glue and the solvent so that you know she gets to keep all of her skin
0: it could be a bathroom
1: it could be but yeah it, it could be it's just it's so big although i guess it could be like a communal bathroom
0: do we ever see bathrooms in star trek yeah. other than the decontamination showers and enterprise no no bathrooms in star trek
1: there are no bathrooms in Star Trek. Uh, there are in the extended novels, though. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, I was just thinking about Don't Trust the Be in Apartment 23 and how weirdly pivotal bathrooms are to that show.
1: Yeah. Bathrooms are... There's a whole episode that revolves around bathrooms being sexy.
0: Well, and as we pointed out in our Don't Trust the Be in Apartment 23 zine, which you can buy on our website...
1: Yes, you can. Every,
0: almost every emotionally significant moment in that show takes place in a bathroom...
1: Well, I mean, the cover of our zine is a woman in a bathtub, because it, it, that's that's what's important in Apartment 23. It's our our Don't Trust the Bean Apartment 23 zine is called Strumming My Lady Harp, mm. which is a comment that Chloe makes to June while she is in the bathtub.
0: Well, there's that one episode where they go back to June's hometown, and then they have that big discussion in the bathroom of that Howdy's or whatever it is. Yeah,
1: they do. Yeah, Every important moment in Don't Trust the Bean Apartment 23 happens in a bathroom. It's accurate. That kind of
0: drew my attention to what shows show bathrooms and which ones don't.
1: Are you thinking about Bob's Burgers, which has another, which has two other episodes with pivotal bathroom moments?
0: Okay, wait. The 100th episode where Bob gets glued to a toilet.
1: Well, and the episode and- where they renovate, where they put that fancy bathroom in.
0: Oh, I was thinking the turkey in the can.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bob's Burgers is another show where bathrooms are important.
0: I mean, I think maybe it's a comedy thing. Like, if a show is a comedy, it's more likely to have bathrooms in it, or at least has comedic elements. Remember, Ally McBeal had the unisex bathroom.
1: Living Single, another comedy, um, has so many, like, important scenes where the three girls are getting ready in the bathroom. Huh. Huh. I kind of want to, like, write something about this
0: the importance of bathrooms
1: yeah so now i'm trying to think about dramatic shows with bathrooms um i'm feeling like the only other the only one i can think of where i'm thinking of pivotal bathroom scenes in dramatic shows the only thing i can think of is in Grey's anatomy in the first season in the first few seasons they're all living in one house they're all living in meredith's house Mm -hmm. so there's a couple scenes that happen where one of the characters is in the shower and the other characters are talking to them
0: I feel like high school shows don't count, though. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of high school drama stuff where...
1: In, like, the girls' bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I'm trying to think of... Wow. This is fascinating. All right. All right. Please, please tweet at me if you can think of any dramatic shows that have pivotal dramatic scenes happen in bathrooms.
0: Although, speaking of Chloe from Don't Trust to be in Apartment 23, uh, that's how Jessica Jones discovers her powers in a... In a bathroom? Yeah. She remembers. She rips the sink off the...
1: Oh, okay. I didn't remember that part.
0: Yeah, honestly, I haven't really revisited any of the Netflix Marvel stuff.
1: They're so heavy. Netflix shows need to be shows that you can marathon like all at once. And with the with the Marvel shows, it's just like I was thinking about this because we're rewatching or you for the first time me rewatching Agent Carter right now on Disney Plus. Now mm-hmm. that we have Disney Plus, and
0: I'm really enjoying it so far.
1: Yeah, and I am just blown away by how snappy and light and comedic, even amongst all the heavy stuff that's happening, that show is, especially compared to the Netflix Marvel stuff. The Netflix Marvel stuff, it was a real tone issue, in Mm. my opinion. Yeah. Which is funny, because when it comes to movies... Marvel has that tone. They understand it can't be all heavy all the time. Really, DC's the one that thinks like, oh, it has to be super heavy and important all the time.
0: I think we've been moving past that for a while. I mean, with Wonder Woman and Shazam and apparently Birds of Prey, which we didn't get the chance to watch before everything went down.
1: Yes, which is good. That's good. That's how it... That's what you have to do.
0: Aquaman tried, but not success. And oh god, Justice League did such a bad job with that. Like, the humor in Justice League was awful.
1: Well, it's because Justice League was basically, I, I mean, it was a sequel to Batman v. Superman, right? Batman yeah. v. Superman colon, Dawn of Justice. And that movie was so heavy and dark. And so instead of, like, having a movie that has an appropriate tone for a superhero movie with Justice League, you have a movie that has dramatic tonal shifts.
0: Well, it doesn't help that Joss Whedon got brought in to direct to, like, half of it.
1: Well, I mean, that's... Th- I mean, th-
0: yeah. I, it's understandable given what happened behind the scenes, but you have a very intense moment, and then it's like, uh-oh, the flash fell onto Wonder Woman's boobs. Wah, 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 wah.
1: I don't know if I want to put that on Joss Whedon, though, because we know from, you know, Buffy and Angel and Firefly and Dollhouse that he can do shows that have light comedic moments that are still heavy and dramatic so i don't know i feel like if anyone could nail the tone that they were trying to do it would be joss whedon
0: but i mean he was if he would done the whole movie maybe although i mean didn't i
1: think the movie was mostly done when they brought him in
0: that scene struck me as really him because didn't there wasn't there like a joke that was almost exactly like that in the second avengers movie
1: maybe it, it's it's entirely possible i'll be honest with you both justice league and all of the avengers movies are so incredibly boring that it's entirely possible those scenes were there and i don't remember them
0: yeah honestly most of what i most of what i get out of superhero movies is like look i want one scene that i can enjoy that i will watch over and over again on youtube later
1: (laughs) what is that scene for uh justice league
0: oh not every movie has it oh okay justice league doesn't have one dark phoenix didn't have one which god i was hoping because apocalypse did apocalypse had a few really good scenes i'm sorry farscape
1: so john is talking to aaron about dargo freaking out and he's concerned about the virus
0: he thinks it might not just be because he spent some time in the you know crushing vacuum of space but rather because of the moya jizz all over him
1: right which of course they don't know that's what it is so john thinks it may be a biomechanical virus and he thinks that that virus is also infecting moya
0: so zan is taking dargo back to his room so that he can you know stop being out of his mind
1: yeah she tells him to just sleep
0: sleep it off
1: yeah essentially and he's talking to her as though she's lolan And because Zan is Zan, and Zan got a Zan, she just goes with it. She's like, oh, sweet Targo.
0: I'm glad I could make you happy, if only for a moment. I I love Zan. I love how Zan's like, oh, okay, I guess this is just what we're doing now.
1: She does say to him, Targo, when you look at me, what do you see?
0: And he's got some crap about how no matter what other people say, he's gonna love her, and lovers gotta love, and it's like, a Taylor Swift song or whatever.
1: Well, I mean, the opposite of a Taylor Swift song because they're getting together.
0: Oh, no, it's a Taylor Swift song from really early in her career. It's a love story. Oh, okay. But he very specifically is not talking about, you know, what Lilu is. Lolan. Sure.
1: So back in. It, it was the lunchroom. They were in the lunchroom. Uh, back in the lunchroom, John and Aaron are continuing to talk about not just the virus, not just what's wrong with Dargo, but how peacekeepers deal with viruses in general
0: okay this is another thing that you know what i said i like this episode at the beginning as we go through this i don't really
1: really i love this scene okay go ahead
0: okay it's just the logic behind this scene where aaron's like yeah we straight up don't have disease anymore i get it it's a space show but that really broke credulity for me
1: well she tells him that Basically, they have cures for unknown diseases, and when they come across a disease that they have never encountered before, their scientists just come up with a cure, you know, and then they start getting the vaccine for that disease.
0: Okay, like, I guess it's possible it's, maybe it's just because that's not a framework I've ever existed in, but it just seems like... You, you have to deal with disease. No matter what you are, you have to deal with disease. Even in Star Trek, the, like, utopian thing. Because diseases are always growing and changing and adapting.
1: Well, I mean, Aaron's point is that their science is advanced enough that when they encounter something new, they are able to deal with it. Hmm. I mean, that's the idea. It's basically fantasy science, you know?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess it just rubs me weird because... She had the whole thing where Sebations think that being a scientist is dumb. Well, but uh,
1: just to, like, kind of delve deep into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have respect for scientists. And one of the reasons they don't have respect for scientists is because science is just a given to them. Like, it's so advanced that it's it's something that they're able to take for granted. And, also, you will notice, Aaron was proclaimed irreversibly contaminated after she had been with humans for half a day so part of their not encountering foreign diseases is no doubt because they're not really allowed to intermingle with non-sebations
0: i'd like it more if it was a propaganda thing
1: that's also that's also possible Hmm. and i mean sebations have the sebation heat death it's not like they're walking around invulnerable yeah and in fact, John talks about how, you know, there's so much disease and suffering on Earth and this is better. And Aaron points out to him, and I love this, she says, you know, we've we've managed to come up with new ways to suffer out here. Yeah,
0: because uh, she, she tells him, like, disease is probably just your planet's way of keeping the population in check. And he's like, no, that's fucked up. There has to be a better way. And she's yeah, that's like,
1: very fucked up. <laughs>
0: so john's like yeah no that's that's fucked up you know there has to be a better way and she's like well in space we just blow each other up all the time so you know pick your poison dude
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: he's like well we blow each other up on earth too we got that
1: it's true And Aaron's like, wait, so this is the Earth that you're desperate to get back to, right?
0: Yeah, this is the planet where you're like, hey, you can come to my planet with me last episode. Yeah, thanks, buddy.
1: <laughs> right. But this conversation ends when Aaron tries to take a bite of some food and realizes that it has gone off and that the refrigeration unit isn't working.
0: Boy, that's... Spoiled really quickly. I was
1: thinking that, too. Anyway, but John opens, like, the refrigeration unit and smells it and is like, oh, yeah, this is bad. And they call Pilot to tell them, you know, hey, there's something malfunctioning. And Pilot very dramatically says, it's not a malfunction. It's intentional sabotage and then passes out.
0: Oh, yeah. He's real hamming it up.
1: (laughs) Oh. And then he's passed out. And Aaron runs- oh, I love this. Aaron runs out to pilot station and the ship is like thrown for a loop. Because essentially any systems that pilot controls are now not being controlled.
0: Everyone do the Star Trek.
1: Yeah, where you like toss your body around.
0: Have you seen the image corrected- uh...
1: Yes, yes. Yeah,
0: those are great. Look look up image corrected Star Trek because there's a thing where they do like steady cam stuff- so you just see what the actors are doing to make it look like the ship shaking.
1: It's pretty funny. Yeah. But Aaron takes back control because you will recall last time she got some pilot DNA in her. And even though we were told it was all flushed out, apparently something remains because Aaron is able to operate the ship.
0: Cool. Does that mean she's capable of multi-layer whatevering?
1: She is. Well, yes, she is capable of multitasking. She'll be able to do that later. Hmm. Yeah. So I keep waiting for the scene when Pilot explains to her how to, like, make it work in her head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like, I thought it was in DNA Mad Scientist, didn't happen then. Thought it was in this episode, doesn't happen yet. <laughs> we'll get it. <laughs> we'll get to that.
0: So, John's like, hey, Zan, try not to breathe so much, because the air that we've got in here is kind of the only air that Moya's going to be producing, so
1: yep it and, turns And she's
0: like i'm a plant john i don't need air i'm kidding she doesn't say that
1: yeah we don't know yet that she's a plant
0: because that would be useful information zan i can produce oxygen john just everyone stick your head around my naked body because that's how i work because i'm zan
1: <laughs> that is how she works oh fun fact the episode where zan's gonna get to be high mm-hmm. is crackers don't matter oh yeah yeah She gets high on light.
0: God. Meanwhile, Dargo thinks that Rigel is his kid.
1: Yep. Yep. Rigel goes into Dargo's room to steal some stuff while Dargo's unconscious. And when Dargo wakes up, he's like, oh, Jothy, you scamp. And Rigel's like, no, this is terrible. Everything that's happening is so much worse than you being mad at me for stealing stuff. And Dargo talks to Jothy about how he knows that it's really hard looking different and having people treat you differently because you're different.
0: Boy, this is not how we've seen Dargo behave ever. <laughs> it's like in... You know how the Flintstones is basically the Honeymooners except with cavemen?
1: Yes, and less spousal abuse.
0: And less spousal abuse. Yes. The, di- the main difference being the Flintstones had a baby and they didn't have a baby in the Honeymooners. Okay. Which is why whenever Fred Flintstone had to deal with pebbles, he has suddenly this weird one eighty personality shift where he's like, Oh, there's my bubbly poo, blah 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 pebbly poo or whatever. Like that's kind of Darko because he's not acting like he's literally ever acted before, which I know you act different around your kid, but
1: It's called code switching yeah he's different around his family than he is around you know the other criminals he's trapped in space with Hmm. i mean honestly i feel like the writers realized that they could only go so far with the warrior alien
0: douchebag stick yeah stick
1: yes so they decided that dargo needed to have some sort of motivation so they made his motivation be his family And you're right, it kind of changed his personality a little bit around his family.
0: Hmm. I'm sorry, but that's not making him less stereotypical. Like, the Punisher had a family. The backstory of literally every tough guy in every movie ever is, oh, so-and-so had a family, and then something happened to the family, and that's why he's a huge dick all the time.
1: Well, they're also going to soften his dickishness.
0: Eh, Well, that's good. Because, as is, I dislike him quite a bit.
1: Oh, poor Dargo. So, back on command, John and Zan are trying to figure out what to do to keep Moya, you know, going and keeping them alive. Zan helpfully points out that all of the systems that keep Moya going are fine. She's going to be fine floating through space. But all of the systems that keep the humans who live inside of her alive, and non-humans, people... All, all of the systems that keep the people that live inside of her alive are the ones that are going down, right? So no life support, no lights, no...
0: She, she's doing a juice cleanse. She's getting all the toxins out.
1: Oh my god, yeah. This is the episode where Moya does a juice cleanse. Xan <laughs> also realizes that the biomechanical thing that they've been thinking is a virus is part of Moya. So whatever is happening, Moya's the one who's doing it. Yep. Yeah. Moya has apparently developed an immune system and it is rejecting all of the assholes who live inside of her and cut arms off of her pilot.
0: Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I don't think I would be big on having a bunch of tiny creatures living inside of me beating up my internal organs all the time. Yep. I would be against that. So... Rigel was supposed to be keeping an eye on Dargo, but Dargo just tucked him into bed really tight and went wandering off.
1: Yeah, John and Zan call over to Rigel to see what Dargo's up to, and Dargo has swaddled Rigel so that he's trapped in Dargo's room.
0: God. John's like, hey, Zan, he thought you were some lady he wanted to bone before, right? Do you think you could use that to find the source of whatever's going on with Moya, because apparently... That's what we need to stop her from trying to kill us.
1: Well, they need to find wherever Dargo was because whatever he did was the inciting incident. So John goes to Dargo and is like, hey, I know that you're like doing your drug trip this episode, but can you be lucid for like a second? Just like a second and help me out.
0: And he's like, oh, you've come to me, Macton.
1: Yep. Yep. And John's like, "Oh, okay, I get it. There's like a drama, and like, Rigel's your kid, and Zan's your wife, and I'm this guy you're pissed at."
0: Yeah, John's pretty on the ball, except for when he's like, "Who's Lolan? And she's and and Dargo's like, "You may despise me, but don't pretend to not even know your own sister." All of, all of Dargo's stuff is as you know, Bob.
1: <laughs> yes. As you know, Macton, when I married your sister Lolan, you despised her for marrying me. And John's like, cool backstory, bro.
0: Yeah, hey. But
1: um we need to fix the ship.
0: And Darkus, like, I I kind of remember being in somewhere. I kind of remember being in a space butthole, but... (laughs) Nope! Fuck you! I'm gonna have as much sex with your sister as I want!
1: Yeah, basically. He does say that he was in a shaft, and there was a peacekeeper shield, and now he's going to fight Macton!
0: Yes, because Lolan's dead. Yeah, he's like, You dishonor your sister even though she's dead? And...
1: Yeah, John's like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to be in the other plot line, Dargo.
0: How did you get from point A to point B here? There's not a straight line from point A to point B here.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, in Pilot's den, Aaron is trying to track down where the last place Dargo was, was. Now that she's kind of in control of Pilot's stuff. Mm. And she points out to John, um... She's doing a job that her brain and body are not designed to do. So can he just like get out of her ass for like five seconds so she can do the job?
0: And John's like, well, Dargo's not helping because he's hallucinating for some reason.
1: And also we're going to die if you don't do this. So you're going to have to do it. So John comes to the hall where Dargo went down the mouse hole And it is guarded by a bunch of DRDs who are, like, all around the wall and only their little eyes are glowing and all the lights are are turned to red emergency lighting. It's very creepy.
0: Oh, no, the tiny, adorable monster bugs are going to get John. I mean, it's true. They are.
1: (laughs) They're so cute and dangerous.
0: Yep. Like koalas.
1: Yes. So... John is like, Aaron, you need to get me another route to wherever Dargo was because the DRDs won't let me pass.
0: The tiny adorable creatures are getting in my way.
1: Uh, honestly, I, it, it's both spooky and adorable. Is that like possible? Yeah. Spook-dorable? Yeah.
0: It was a very early 2000s aesthetic for the internet.
1: Oh yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it? Yeah, okay, okay.
0: So the DRDs have John surrounded And he's like, Aaron, can you shut down the DRDs? And she's like, "Uh, Crichton, if I do that, we're all going to die.
1: And he's like, okay, but I'm going to die right now. And she's like, okay, fine. So Aaron shuts down all of the DRDs.
0: And then we get a homage to...
1: 2001? Yeah. It's a scene where Zan, John, and Aaron are sitting around a table talking about what to do about the fact that the ship is trying to kill them.
0: Yeah, it's like that scene where that guy and that lady are in the shower talking to each other.
1: And the camera is kind of spinning around them in the same way.
0: It just makes me think of the Futurama thing with the ship.
1: If only I had learned to read lips. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes, well, and, and they are realizing that, you know, Moya knows what they're doing. So anything that they've said in front of the DRDs, Moya knows. You know, just like... Just like the government knows anything that you've said in front of your cell phone. So
0: everything you've said.
1: Yes, exactly. Just like Jeff Bezos knows everything that you've said in front of your Echo. Mm -hmm. So they get like physical blueprints of the ship to figure out what they're going to do because they can't access Moya's stores without Moya knowing what they're doing. It's not
0: rocket science. It's brain surgery. Yes. I'm kidding, it's both.
1: Zan says, don't you think Moya's gonna know what you're doing right now? And John says, do you know what a couple of bacteria are doing in your body? And Zan tells him, I don't have any bacteria.
0: Uh, I, okay, alien. I, I, she's I an alien. need to let this go. Yeah. Alien. But, but she's it, also a living thing.
1: They've got a totally different biology. She's got a totally different biology.
0: There's bacteria in space.
1: I know, I know. So, they decide they need to access Moya's higher brain functions. So, Aaron's gonna do that from down in Pilot's chamber because mm. that's where they are. Yeah. And John's gonna try to go back to where Dargo was and find that shield.
0: And he's like, Rigel, you're still in this episode, right? And Rigel's like, Barely in Moya's comic relief.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically, Rigel's job is to distract Dargo by letting Dargo pretend that Rigel is his son. And Rigel's like, Oh my god, this is terrible. I hate it. And Dargo's like, oh, son, that's what sons do. But Rigel brings Dargo up to command so that they can all have a conversation and essentially get his backstory out. So here's here's Dargo's backstory. He was in love with his commander's sister, Lolan. They got married, and Macdon... Was so angry about it that he killed LAN and framed Dargo for it. And that's what Dargo was imprisoned for. And also they had a child, but since hybrid, peacekeeper, anything else, children are illegal, Dargo sent him away to hide him before...
0: Everything went down.
1: Everything went down. By the way, it took until this point in the episode for anyone else to be like, Wait, you were married to a Sabatian?
0: Then why all the racism, dude?
1: Well, I know. But it's supposed to be a big twist, but it's so fundamentally a part of Dargo's backstory that it feels weird it's supposed to be a twist. But he he pulls a locket out of, like, a pouch in his skin where he keeps it and has a little hologram of his wife and, and son.
0: Star Trek babies making our dreams come true.
1: It is a little baby Dargo. Honestly, a lot like Alexander for for many reasons god but i won't say anything more because if you're familiar with both alexander and what happens with jothi you probably know what i'm thinking and i don't want to say more and spoil max so we'll move on
0: the only thing i know about alexander comes from the one episode he was in of star trek the next generation you showed me which was (sighs) rascals
1: yes oh love that episode love that episode
0: It's pretty great.
1: Yeah. Remember when the Ferengi were like a formidable villain on Star Trek?
0: I mean, I don't because the one episode I saw had them be easily taken down by children.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's true. They were.
0: Actually, that just kind of makes the rest of the crew look massively incompetent.
1: Right? Especially Worf. Oh my goodness. So Worf was raised by humans and he sends Alexander to be raised by his his parents who raised him. Mm -hmm. Um... And when Alexander shows back up in Deep Space Nine, it's kind of similar to how Jothi is when he shows up back on the show. Oh, spoiler alert. They find Jothi.
0: He's a peacenik. No. He went the other direction.
1: He went the other direction.
0: I mean, he's got being an asshole in his DNA from two different angles. So Jothi, not right, Alexander. Right, right. Dargo
1: and Macton. You mean? The two angles?
0: Oh, I meant sebation and... Luxon. Luxon. Oh, jeez, it's two warrior species having a baby. I wonder if he's going to have a giant stick up his ass about murdering people. Did I say something that will accidentally be super relevant later?
1: Well, I was just thinking about how Scorpius is also the child of two warrior species. The Scarans and the Sebation.
0: Also has a giant stick up his ass about murdering people.
1: Yeah, kind of. Kind of.
0: So... so- So, blah, 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 Dargo has a tragic backstory. Meanwhile, Erin is actually trying to solve a problem.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, her solution is to shut down Moya's higher brain functions, but she's going to realize she can't. Like, whatever it is on Pilot's control panel doesn't include a, like, hard restart button. Mm. She can't just, like, stick a paperclip in there. But she can sever the higher brain functions. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like they go to that way too fast in this episode. I feel like they have not exhausted every solution before they're like, well, it's what we have to do. I feel like
0: they kind of also did this sort of thing in the pilot. Remember when like Moya had the control thing in her brain and uh, Dargo just ripped it off? Like, they were trying to figure out how to get it off, and Pilots like, well, you have to be careful. You don't want to cut off her higher functions, and Dargo's like, blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, although to be fair, that worked.
0: True, yes.
1: Because the Peacekeeper control collar that kept her enslaved, it basically, like, wrapped around her higher brain functions. So when Dargo goes to pull it out, and Pilots like, well, be careful, Dargo (laughs) is not careful. But like I said, it worked. It's like, remember... When USB first started being a thing, and the computer told you that you had to, like, eject it from the computer before you pulled it out.
0: Yeah, or all of your computer would curplode.
1: And it turns out that that was bullshit? Yep. That's what that is. Pilot was like, you have to eject the control collar first. And Dargo was like, bullshit. In that case, it turns out Dargo was right. So, John is being lowered into the cavern where Dargo was to investigate what's going on with this shield that sprayed out the thing that infected Dargo. And while he's doing this, Aaron is cutting through the higher brain functions. So everything is happening simultaneously. They're trying to figure out what's... You know what this is? What? This is a cathelot, right? (laughs) Buffy is going to, like fight Angel and stop him from raising a Catholic, but while that's happening...
0: Willow's trying to cast the spell that'll reinstall Angel so that he won't, you know, call forth a Catholic in the first place.
1: Exactly, right? So, Aaron is severing Moya's higher brain functions, but while she's doing that, John is trying to figure out what's going on to stop that from happening. And John does figure out what's going on, because he finds a Leviathan fetus.
0: Oh my. Yep. Yep. Turns out Moya is pregnant and she's like, hey, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have a bunch of assholes running around stabbing my interiors while I'm pregnant.
1: Yep. Moya is pregnant and John is inside her uterus right now.
0: I'm sure there are wide sections of the internet dedicated to this sort of thing.
1: Yes. So John is like in awe at the wonder of nature for about 30 seconds before he realizes that he better tell Aaron to stop cutting into Moya's brain. Which he does. Yeah. And and of course they get to Aaron right at the last possible second to tell her to stop cutting into the brain. And she's like, What? What? What is the problem that you're shouting about?
0: <laughs> you know, I think if you did most of a brain surgery and then stopped right before the end, that would still majorly mess up whoever you were doing the surgery on, but
1: I think most I think most of what she was doing was cutting through the casing that protects the, the brain.
0: Uh. Oh. Uh...
1: Which, not great, but...
0: Better, I guess. Yeah,
1: it's not the actual brain functions. Whatever,
0: they'll slap some duct tape up there.
1: Yeah. So, John makes an intuitive leap, which luckily turns out to be correct, which is that Moya needs the DRDs to protect and care for the baby, and that it hurt the baby when they turned off the DRDs.
0: Yes. So, he's using his bard skills to talk to the giant lady he lives inside,
1: yeah, well, first he has Aaron turn on the DRDs so that they can be, like, a conduit so that he can talk to them. Yes. And then, yes, he talks to the the lady who lives inside. You know, we don't do, like, clips from unrelated TV shows to intro our show anymore.
0: But the Futurama clip.
1: That would be perfect for I, this one.
0: I keep going back to that one Futurama episode where Bender starts dating the ship, who is suddenly and only for that episode voiced by Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. That's such a good episode.
1: It is a good episode.
0: That's such a character she doesn't normally get to play.
1: I'm yeah, because she's... yeah.
0: I feel like most of these days she gets to play the leader of shadowy government organizations who gets killed by the things she's investigating slash trying to control.
1: Or else plays on Ripley. Yeah. Those are the things she gets to play now.
0: Which is too bad because she's a badass. and
1: She is! Anyway, John tells moya that they will not hurt the baby pinky swear so please don't kill them please turn the oxygen back on so that they can breathe and also start giving nutrients to pilot again so that he doesn't starve to death inside of her
0: and she's like okay yep it's like sex in the city where the setting is the the fourth care is the fifth character
1: yeah it's true moya, moya is the fifth character So, the air comes back on, Pilot wakes up.
0: Dargo's snapping out of his fugue state conveniently while everything's, now that everything's over.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Boy, it's almost like all of his stuff was useless. He could have been unconscious for the entire thing.
1: Well, we needed to get his backstory.
0: And this was the best way they could do that. Yeah. So, John's talking to Pilot and he's like, oh, so we're all cool with Moyen. Pilot's like, well... (laughs) moya says that she's gonna do whatever she can to ensure the survival of her baby the baby's like priority so she's not gonna actively try to kill you guys but like
1: okay speaking of like meta stuff this felt like a weird meta moment where pilot was like yeah so apparently she needed my nutrients to feed the baby during the first stage of pregnancy so that's what she did i don't mind i serve her Mm -hmm. also Things are going to be weird and go wrong at random on the ship because of the pregnancy, and I can't tell you now what it's going to be. It's just going to be out of control.
0: I don't know what sort of wacky adventures we're going to get into.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a very meta moment.
0: Hmm. Meanwhile, everyone feels awkward around Darko, because he spilled a bunch of his guts about his whiny, stupid backstory.
1: Yeah. And also, then he feels like he needs to go to Aaron and be like, hey... Thanks for uh, saving my life when I was ejected into space. And she's like, oh, God, we had a whole episode. I totally forgot I even did that.
0: And he's like, I suppose you think my child is some sort of freak. And she, she's like, Dargo, I don't give a shit about anything you have ever done or will ever do. I don't care about your kid. Don't project shit onto me.
1: Okay, to be fair, I feel like this is a really important growth scene for Aaron. Because Aaron is like, look, I know that I come from a race where our whole thing is not breeding with non-sebations. Our whole thing is about purity of the bloodline because we are a metaphor for fascists. But I have evolved and I see nothing wrong with you having a kid with some other woman. With some sebation.
0: I have evolved into not giving a shit what you do.
1: I also like that she tells Dargo... Look, no matter what happens, presumably meaning even if she gets captured by peacekeepers, mm. she will not tell anyone that he has a son out there. So at this moment, she's saying her loyalty to him is as though he's a shipmate. Like, he is within her sphere of loyalty.
0: Which is good and builds off a lot of what she said last episode. A lot of what she established about shipmates being family.
1: Yeah. And she's, she's like, opened the door a little to allow Dargo into that circle.
0: Yes, and she asked Argo if she can see, you know, the hologram of his wife and his Muppet baby-looking kid. And he does. And she's like, wow, Sebastian Lady's pretty hot. And I'm surprised she let you put your dick in her.
1: Uh, he's a Luxon. He has tentacles.
0: That just raises further questions. Not to... Uh, this was a real heavy episode for quoting Futurama.
1: I was actually thinking of a Babylon 5 quote here. Mm-hmm. Where one of the characters is trying to explain his virgin slash non-virgin status to uh, a, a, a person who's not of his race. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've only gotten to three. She says three. And he's like, yeah, you see, we have seven. Um, We have seven. So I guess that about does it for this episode. That's it. We go to credits after that. Okay,
0: so I know I spent the vast majority of this episode shit talking it i like all of the non-dargo parts of it and to be fair most of the episode is Mm non-dargo it's just the dargo stuff is so boring and it's so like they drag it out so much like you get information piece by piece and oh he has a murdered wife and a son who's missing it's like the beginning of every fallout game except those take like four minutes to do
1: okay there's so much good john and aaron stuff in here though and we didn't talk about a lot of it because a lot of it's just like the way that as you said they're comfortable with each other in this episode
0: yeah their physicality is a lot more evolved yeah yeah like there's a lot of good stuff in this episode it's just for some reason dargo's backstory is just kind of shoved in there
1: well i mean they had to introduce it
0: and they couldn't think of a
1: better way to do it than this? <laughs> well, I mean, they had totally changed it. They had to, like, quickly let you know that his backstory had completely changed.
0: It's just completely unrelated to the rest of the plot, though.
1: Yeah, I guess it is. Except that, I mean, it's about parenthood, you know. Moya, uh, yeah, um... Moya is pregnant, and we find out that the thing that's going to drive Dargo is fatherhood.
0: Hmm. All right, so segments...
1: So our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what on this show, what world building thing worked for you? What strange new alien thing worked for you?
0: Okay, so I think this is one of the first episodes. I know they've kind of touched on it a lot before, but I feel like this episode gave you kind of a better grasp of the scale of Moya.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, Um. so, you know, her hallways, the way they were built, they're built on wheels so that they can rearrange the way the hallways are configured so that she looks so much bigger, even though there's really only one hallway set.
0: Well, the thing about her is, like, from the interiors we see, it's all very claustrophobic, which makes it easy to forget that she's
1: giant. Yeah, because she's like a honeycomb. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I kind of, I I feel like that was good kind of world building because it it made me think more about the scale of Moya than I think I have in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, and this is the episode where Moya gets pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for me, it's just like, it's a ship that reproduces by birthing other ships. That's pretty. It's
0: like Master Mold, the sentinel that poops other sentinels. There
1: you go. (laughs) So our second segment, we might not have anything for because this is. Really a bottle episode? Even though, as you said, Moya is the size of Manhattan, you know, there's...
0: Yeah, there's not any real new creatures. Yeah,
1: we don't leave, we don't leave the ship. So, strange alien creatures is what puppets worked for you, but I don't know that we had any puppets other than...
0: I mean, I like the look of Moya's fetus.
1: It was cool.
0: It's very alien, but...
1: Yes, it literally looks like an alien sack, like, hanging down. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, yeah, I agree that that look is really striking. Hmm. And it makes sense that John would stand there and awe for several seconds while he should be telling Aaron to stop cutting into the brain. Yes. <laughs> and then our final segment is looking for a way home, which is what emotionally here worked for you.
0: Honestly, a lot of the Aaron and John interactions. there There wasn't one big moment, but just the way you can tell that they are more comfortable with each other now.
1: I mean, for me specifically, it was the moment where he, you know, reflected on how... They've eradicated disease out here in...
0: Space. In
1: space, right? And how much better that is than being on Earth. Yeah. Even though he's still looking for a way home. He
0: Yeah, he's going to ditch Earth, basically, as soon as he gets back there, right?
1: I don't know.
0: I mean, I'm assuming that there'd be not a show anymore.
1: <laughs> I mean, they do, they do change the opening credits, so at some point it's going to stop saying, I'm just looking for a way home, just to... <laughs> throw that out there at which point we might have to change now nah, we're gonna keep this segment because there's we're, we're not gonna have a segment that's look upward because <laughs> it's basically the same thing as a uh, distant part of the universe yeah yeah and i
0: guess that'll that'll about do it
1: yeah our episode for next time is till the blood runs clear
0: oh good another dargo episode
1: and the description is, after creating a wormhole, Crichton's module is repaired on a nearby planet by furlough, while Vorcarian blood trackers Rorf and Rorg attempt to collect the Peacekeeper bounty placed on their heads.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, really? Rorf and Rorg? Is this a special crossover with Power Rangers?
1: Oh, it kind of almost is. Some of the... well, Let me just say, uh, we'll have stuff for strange alien creatures next week. So I guess that does do it. Our podcast is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Cruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin.
0: If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show.
1: If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode of any television show ever... You should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television.
0: We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com.
1: So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories.